when I fit into an ecosystem of producing the content and there's budget to push it from an advertising point of view. If I just make it with no ad spend, you won't see the same results and you won't think I'm valuable and I won't end up, like I might get one job, but I won't get a lot of jobs. This is the Come Here To Me podcast. My name is Guy Boggan. Amongst many things, I am a photographer and filmmaker. I started a podcast to chat to friends and fascinating people, not necessarily about them, but instead about their experience in the industry or business, their topic of expertise, even a skill or talent they might have. These impressive individuals are not claiming to be experts in their field with the very best of what they do. Rather, I just want to offer you an insight into what they've learned so far. Just a little something interesting. This is the Come Here To Me podcast. Enjoy. Okay, so welcome, Thomas. Thank you for coming to speak. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so firstly, I just want to start. So I know you're studying commerce in UCD, and uh, since you're on a typically long winter break, you've decided to rent an office space for the next few weeks. And what is it at the moment working for yourself that you're doing? What projects have you got going on? Um, so I've been doing free like a small bit of are you for, i don't know if you've already done a background thing of me but basically long story short thomas arnold 22 youtuber vlogged my entire college experience been doing freelance videography since i was 18 yeah. i'm 22 now so the guts of four years um and i just love making content so over the years basically stuff has sort of uh grown organically and i'm at a point now where I'm making a full-time living from it, still being in college. And I guess the reason why I wanted to move into the office was that my friend Jake has been in office space for over a year now. Like he started September, 2018. And I just thought it was like a good next move. Like I do a lot of stuff based on intuition and I just felt like the office would be a good thing to do, even though it's another, it's essentially like renting again like because i rent as well as renting here um but it's been amazing man like how central it is in town to meet people for coffees how i'm there's so many businesses around here and to just have a dedicated space for work is so much better than just sitting on the couch in the house working before so although it is a bit of an expense i think the opportunity cost is you know um, I'm getting the words wrong here, but there's there's a lot of opportunity when you're in an office. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I'm curious, like, how do you find your work in Dublin? Is it is it through LinkedIn? Is it through cold emailing? Is it your already established web presence? Is it word of mouth? Like, what do you find is the biggest thing for you in finding new clients? Yeah, it's mainly word of mouth. Um, there's definitely some people who come to me where like I don't really know exactly how they found out about me like I, I've found with a lot of this stuff that it's sort of they've heard of you before they've seen some of your stuff they've had a few touch points in terms of they might have seen a LinkedIn video or a YouTube video or their friend told you about them and um, eventually they sort of come to you when there's a need for a video <coughs> Um, but mainly it would be through word of mouth. So if, if I, like I try now to focus on just my current clientele and doing the best job I can with them, I don't always succeed at that. Um, that's just being a human, but I try my best. And do you ever do a lot of regular work for the same clients? Do you, do you find that people ask you back based on the work you've done? Or is it nearly always like new businesses? Because once maybe a business has got a project going, they kind of leave that for a while. 
a, a lot of people would be repeat business, but they're repeat one and done jobs. So for example, I've done the same busker festival video every August for like five years, but it's only once a year. So uh, what I found is that, and this is my goal for this year, is that I want to get a few retainer clients um, because it's consistent cash flow for me. And also I find it very rewarding to work with people uh, continuously and sort of to grow with their company. So um, that's my goal at the moment is to, I have one sort of semi-secured, another one I'm trying to um, push through tomorrow. Um, and I'd ideally like probably four, four businesses to work with this year on a consistent uh, monthly basis. I suppose that, that consistency gives you the peace of mind, as you said, like the cash flow is coming in, but from a business perspective and like from a freelancer, like struggling like job by job, like that allows you to then know that you can pay for your office rent and like, and commit to more future things and maybe take a loan on gear. And like, that just allows a lot of freedom. And then the other question I have is so like, as this is something I find as well as a freelancer and you're kind of, not so much now, but over the last few years, when you were working by yourself, what benefit does that give? Like what benefit that, benefit is that to an organization versus hiring a production company what does your like run and gun single person bring um like a production company has within it a lot of overheads so like one one benefit that a run and gun guy brings is cheaper like they're cheaper generally um, and in some scenarios they might give you a very similar product to what a production company can give you um, cause like, say for example, for me, <coughs> slightly different now cause I have more overheads, but previously it was just me and my camera and my, my rent. Um, whereas like a production company is a producer, an editor, um, they might have a couple employees, they contract people out for the day. They probably have a bigger office space cause they might use it in-house for production. So, um, that, that would be their costs. I think the, the other side of it though, is that those businesses can, not always, but generally deal with bigger projects and bigger businesses, not all the time, but sometimes tend to say, look, we'd rather work with this established name, this name that has proven not only that they're good, but they have a plethora of solutions for whatever marketing issues that we have. Because if you're to say to yourself that I'm just the promo video guy, you're only really providing one solution. Whereas if you can sh say, I can help with the pre-production process. Yeah. I can help with all these other areas. Then I think you're a lot more valuable, valuable to them. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a huge thing about the diversity of stuff that you can do. And I suppose that you're dead right about doing bigger projects. It's so much harder to stretch yourself that far. But I've always thought that it was quite an advantage to ha to be able to make decisions quicker and like turn around videos on a much shorter time frame. And yes, they might not be as well color graded or as well like that final 10% of the project. But I think a lot of the time businesses, I think need to trust like smaller freelancers because they do more than a good enough job uh, and they can like turn around projects really, really quickly. Something I've always wondered and I don't know how, what your experience of this is, but, and it's very client dependent, like it depends, some clients are great, fabulous, but in this day and age where like anyone can take a photo and anyone can take a video on their phone and like every like photography and videography is becoming a lot more accessible. 
how often do you find that people appreciate the premium service that is photography and videography? Because I think, particularly for me with photography, it's still like they're hiring you because you're still going to do a better job than them on their phone. And they know that, but they often try to break down your pricing and devalue you because they think they know most of it. And like, it's something I always found that like, how often are you, how often are you just like give a quote or how often is that challenged? Like, for example, they might say to me, like, I'd, I'd give them an overall sense of value by saying, you know, like editing is included and stuff, but sometimes it might be like, oh, we actually, we don't need them edited. It's like, oh, that's, that's not a choice. <laughs> it's, it's like part of the product. But like, what do you find a video? How often are clients happy with you and like the value you're going to provide them? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. Cause like, I think particularly in Ireland, sometimes you don't have a choice over, um, which clients you deal with because a lot of the time you just have to pay the bills you know so i have a quote out at the moment where uh was on the phone to this business um seemed like they really wanted something sent it on and just didn't get a reply back from the quote and part of you's like oh my god am i a bad person for charging that much um uh, then on the other hand you have businesses where you could charge double that and they say yes on the phone so i view it as businesses need there's a few things i need from a business for them to really really want to work with me and it's a bit like going after girls i want someone who really wants to be with me i don't care if you don't like if you don't want to reply to my texts if you don't don't want to go out on dates like i don't i don't care i like i want i want it to work across the entirety of you know the relationship it's the same thing with businesses so breaking it down from their perspective they need videos across the supply chain so instead of needing a video for an event if they need videos for their advertising if they need it for in-house if they if they see a variety of areas where video can play a role that ticks a box number two they need to have the budget for it um, and number three they have to see me as a contractor cheaper slash a better option than an employee um and the the last one would be they need to have an in-house person who can run ads because i'm valuable when i fit into an ecosystem of producing the content and there's budget to push it from an advertising point of view if i just make it with no ad spend you won't see the same results and you won't think i'm valuable and i won't end up like i might get one job but i won't get a lot of jobs. That's so funny you say that. It's so true. I think there's this sometimes when I'm, if you're making a, a video for a brand, there is, you, if, if it's not, not a brand, sorry, like a corporate video or a, a video that doesn't, it, the company already doesn't already have an online presence and they don't have someone running socials and they don't post regularly and they decide, oh, like wait, social media, it's 2020, we need to make a video and they get you in to make a promo video and you just know like, this isn't gonna be seen by anybody. You just think that you need this and what you actually need is the whole other infrastructure as well. And that way you'll get the most value out of the service because the video like will, will be seen along with all the other pieces of consistent content. And it, it will be a standout piece of content, but there needs to be more than just like one-off video and stuff. Um, there's, there's two things, there's two kind of contradicting principles that I've always followed and it's kind of weird, but the first one is like, now I've really learned to under promise, but over deliver, uh, cause you just don't want to get in over your head. But at the same time, I very much started off 
faking it until I made it and like how do you find yourself like how far are you willing to stretch yourself for a product and like be like okay that is a project sorry but like that is a challenge but like I know I can do it or like I I guess I'm more inclined to slightly over promise if the need comes to it so if someone comes to me for an event promo video um, it's pretty stock standard for me. So I'm not really over promising anything. I have systems set in place that like I can execute on it. But <clears throat> if someone was to come to me for something slightly bigger, I would sort of do one of two things. I would either, I would look at it and say, can I realistically do this? Is it a stretch? Um, do I need to pull in extra help? I'm on a bigger shoot next week where I'm actually not the cameraman because I needed someone better than me to be honest. Um, I'm more inclined to say yes to stuff and figure out the answers because I th- you often find that like these all all these things are people and the people have to believe in you and if the people believe in you they'll be willing to take a chance if you're putting their best foot forward and you're showing that you're pretty sure you can execute on it and um, the benefit of videos is that unlike launching a product you know, you just, at the end, of, you don't have to make it the market happy. You just have to make the person who's paying for the video happy. And um, I'd feel like I have enough experience to do a lot of that. Now, if it was way above what I think I thought I could do, I'd 100% pass it on to somebody else. Or to be honest, they'd probably figure out already that I'm not the right guy for the job. Um, but what I'm trying to do now with Fearless Media is to try and bring those bigger solutions by assembling like a little team around me of people who can do better stuff than I could have done by myself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to come back to Fearless Media because I do want to talk to you about that. But I just want to go back to like what I feel was kind of your start in filmmaking, which was YouTube. And like your content on there is very good, but it's very mixed. Like it's everything from vlogs to kind of like mini series. Like I know one series is like, I spent the day as, and it's been everything from a clamper to a bin man, a TV inspector, like a whole bunch of, and people love that stuff. But what would you classify yourself is like as on YouTube? YouTube is just how I'm feeling at that point in time, stuff I want to make. You know, I very much do it week to week. And at the core of it is like, what's something cool I could make and something that I'd want to watch. I don't, that stuff, you know, I don't know if it gives me business. I don't care if it gives me business. I just do it because I love it, you know? And um, I, I love to laugh, you know? And th- those things are incredibly entertaining for me. And I love seeing other people laugh. Uh, like I love, I love other people enjoying stuff, you know? So, um, I do that because I just love it. You know? Absolutely. That's, that's what you got to do it for. Uh, I, I noticed it, and you, you mentioned this in a specific video, but in 2019, your content took a bit of a swerve, like just a kind of a mindset swerve. So before you were doing stuff that you described as like swerving authority and like sneaking into festivals. And then this year, like what prompted that change? Do you want to talk about why or what, what you changed well, like, to? <clears throat> I went on internship and the business told me I couldn't be doing stupid shit. So that was one. And then the second one was, I was sort of, I guess, I, the, like when I came back to college, basically, I started doing more college oriented stuff because I was pretty sick and tired of 
every week or every other week trying to think of what a viral video would be and spending loads of time and then making literally a four minute video that took me so much time and effort and strain and stress and all that stuff. And I was thinking, well, what do I really want to do? I want to make videos that a few thousand people enjoy. And I'm lucky enough that I'm in the position now four years in or whatever, that a couple thousand people actually will watch every week. And I'm like, fuck it. I'll just be the the college student I always would have wanted to have seen on the internet in, in Dublin. And um, that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm just trying to make the, the funnest, coolest college videos I'd want to see when I'm done college. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Probably going to go on a J1 or something, but um, I'm just having fun with it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this year I noticed that you're being quite brave in your topics and like they're really interesting, but you're doing stuff like... I think you're talking to your psychology lecturer about porn and like you were uh, like running around a lecture theater in a costume, a Batman costume and like going, I looked way back to like the start and I think one of your segments on YouTube, one of your early ones was like a thing called Dublin Chats. But how, were you always this confident? Because a lot of those videos take a lot of confidence, like whatever about being in a, like talking about your business, which is quite opening, um, but like physically running around a lecture hall where all your college friends are there and like chatting to random strangers in the streets in Dublin. Is that something that YouTube taught you or that you've always been quite confident? Yeah, YouTube definitely taught taught me it. Like I, I was not very confident growing up, you know? Um, and I think it was just the habit of having to make that content every week. And I'm still quite scared before all those. I would, I'd love if I had all the clips, but if you were to go back in all the recordings just before I go into these things, like I'm always a bit scared. Um, <clears throat> but YouTube definitely helped me develop that confidence because I think confidence is like a muscle. And <clears throat> I actually genuinely think I'm way more extroverted now than I was when I was younger. And that's so much through YouTube. So um, I think it just shows you that if you're consistent with certain things, you sort of become them. And I became that confident person that I portrayed when I was younger. Yeah. And particularly in the early days of YouTube, like what amazed me was how consistently you uploaded despite like there not being a big audience and like, like good on you. But what was the motivation? Like, was it just the love of it or like it's very hard and can be quite mentally tough if you put a lot of work into things over like a whole year or two and you still have to like you're, you're still not getting the numbers behind it and like you are now but you weren't at the start yeah like i just always thought that my videos were fucking great i was like i'm just so fucking good at this and like i i just think so many people are gonna love it and i actually think it's the same with business man it's like i just uh, they say the greatest uh, the greatest salesmen have belief in their products. I just absolutely love making businesses help them make money and help them grow and help them. Like I'm trying to, I'm not trying to trick anybody. I yeah. just fucking love this stuff. Like I'm in the office all the time. I'm working on stuff all the time because it was, it was what I was made to do. And it's the same sort of with YouTube. It's like, even when there was no viewers, I was like, fuck it. I'm still going to do it. Cause I, cause even if there is nobody watching, um, and to be honest, guy, some people would look at me now and say, like, a couple thousand views isn't a lot, you know? Like, in the grand scheme of things, it's really not. Because yeah. I still do it, because I, I love it. And but I think it is actually a lot for Ireland. and that's what It I, is, yeah, but, yeah. But that's what I think is so great about you, is because you are uniquely Irish in that people have compared you to, like, the David Dobrik of Ireland. Because it's very similar content. It's that kind of vlog, like, a lot of laughing, a lot of stupid stuff, but in a good way. And... um. 
do you think that you're like there isn't enough people who want that in Ireland or are like on YouTube looking for that kind of content so that's why the people in the US are blowing up and you're not or is it that just like you haven't been found yet because I do like how uniquely Irish you are in your Irish isms like there's been Irish people that have blown up over the last few years like Rob lifts it blew up but he his content is very generic it's very it's it's great but it's it's like it can please everyone but we luckily have seen people with a lot of Irish isms appeal to everyone like Keen Toomey a few years ago in Cork Foil Arms and Hog like they don't take out any of the Irish sayings and I've noticed recently in your videos like you've kept like the Irish flag and thumbnails and like all like Irish mammy style videos like do you think that's a good thing do you ever think you'll change um, like I, I get what you're saying. I think definitely during the internship period that year was me trying to make stuff that was more on mass and I just ended up being unhappy with it, I guess. So I am, <clears throat> I did try and create a niche in terms of this year, in terms of college. And I definitely tried to title stuff in such a way that it was more, uh, you know, um, like it could be seen by more people, more palatable by more, more clickable by more people. But uh, I'm I'm still good, just gonna be myself, I guess. But at the same time, I'm obviously gonna try and you know make titles and thumbnails that I think you'll click. Um, but yeah, this is like certainly a big like clickbait dilemma. It's like how far do you go? Because you have to do it. It's become such a thing. Is it's almost people posting on YouTube almost talk about like they spend half the time in the video and half the time on the title and the thumbnail because that is literally what sells it amongst all the content out there. People even if it seems so brash and like so not what the video is about, you just need people to watch it. So it's like, I know it's, it must be such a debate about how far you push that. Yeah, like if people are deceived by what the title is and the thumbnail, like they won't watch, you know? So you gotta, you gotta have clickbait, but more important than the clickbait, like clickbait's very important, but you also have to have a video that people really, really like. You know, so even the video I put up about Dance Monkey last week, like literally so little thought went into that. It's it doesn't it didn't get as many views because it's not as relevant to students. And I'm, my viewership is definitely tied down to students right now. You know, so that's why I definitely have a little bit of fear when I'm done college to be like, are they all going to go? Like some of them definitely will. And I'm going to have to rethink and evolve and change. But I suppose people are following you. So they it's like they like to see where you're at now and they like to see the student topics of like dealing with mental health and exams and stress. And I think you're probably right. Like a lot of people the same age as you are going through the exact same thing, but I'd say, I don't know how many people would leave cause they'll just like follow you going up and you, like, you'll be doing the next step, maybe one year ahead of them or like doing a master's or going out yourself. Are you in a business mindset at all on YouTube in terms of like conscious about copyright or conscious? Not written? at all. No, I, I prioritize a great video. I use loads of copyrighted songs. I, I gave, wondered, yeah. yeah, I gave up on that ages ago. Okay. Like maybe, look, maybe it's a weakness because Dara, who's one of my best friends, he'd probably say, oh, you absolutely should be using non-copyrighted music. But um, like I sort of don't care. You know, I, I'm just sort of making it. I, I also feel like I don't have time to care. Like I just, I just like, and I've been doing this for four years now, but it doesn't change. Like every week is like, ah, what am I going to make? <laughs> and then I just go for it. I just like, uh, that's, that's my whole life. I just, I just go for stuff. But you know? YouTube isn't your only social media platform at the moment. Like you've blown up on TikTok over the last, <laughs> <laughs> that, was the last a big that is yeah. probably quite suited to your content is like you 
being very active on Instagram, very active on TikTok, just generally all over the internet, is that you not putting all your eggs in one basket or is it just like trying new things? Um, uh, probably a bit of both. Like I, I really enjoy making contents. I really enjoy communicating. Like the, my biggest platforms for production, I haven't made a TikTok man in like two months, which is so bad. But, uh, and it's because I, I don't know why I should make more of them, but uh, like literally someone got in touch with me today for a potential brand deal. Cause you're like, you're one of the top TikTok influencers in Ireland. I'm like, oh, I haven't posted in a month and a half. Um, but YouTube, I love LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Um, I love Instagram. I just, I really like posting content. Like I really like um, trying to make stuff. I, I really like trying to make people laugh. And Will you make individual pieces for each platform or will you make one and then kind of cut yeah, they're it They're all custom. Yeah. I rarely, like I cross promote on Instagram, but um, LinkedIn is completely different to like Instagram, to YouTube, to whatever. So, And then into your current business what made you rebrand with fearless media you touched on it earlier but in terms of like building a team of people around you yeah i just didn't want to it to be myself all the time like i wanted to scale things up a bit and to do that i needed to bring in more people and to bring in more people was to mean that people needed to know that if you're dealing dealing with me now and fearless media like you you may not always be dealing with me like i might shoot it but somebody else will be like I'll, pr I'll look over the editing but um they might be editing a bit of it as well um and i just wanted to sort of grow the solutions that we could provide and <laughs> like because that could mean i could take on bigger projects bigger budgets do funner stuff it meant i could rent bigger places get better gear just be better you know and um, who is that team is the fearless media team made up of how many people are involved so i have one like full-time part-time guy brian um brian garvin who is great and he helps with pretty much everything um in terms of production and um, so pre-production post-production and production um then in terms of other bits and pieces i i just pull in people where i need them um i have a couple guys doing small bits of work but I don't have any full-time employees. Um, so at the moment, I'm looking at trying to get, and just because I want to add that to, because I need that in a couple of videos every month and I just want to add that value to the product. Um, but <coughs> the plan would be once the retainers are sort of set in place that <coughs> I can have like a pretty good system of like whoever shoots, edits, there'll probably be three of us all together. And then um, I can focus more on sales. Yeah, because I, I really enjoy that. And I, I really enjoy meeting new people and pitching new stuff and, um, excuse me, trying to just take on more stuff instead of being caught up running, like getting a job, like doing all the edits. And then like it's a week later and I'm like, my head's above water. I'm like, shit, I need more work you know so absolutely yeah. it allows you to focus elsewhere if like the grunt work is being done so but it is it is all still you so you you still currently are very very much working freelance alone very much like, so yeah what's the structure like is it just you or is there an income split or are you paying people or yeah yeah like so no you're fine yeah so brian um like brian's a contractor so i pay him every month uh, like based on an hourly basis um and then the people who come in for projects they're paid per project so that's basically it. Yeah. And do you find that uh, like each person brings a different strength or are they all kind of all rounders? Like are they all, 
people who've worked freelance who can kind of do anything or are you bringing people in who are like he does animation so he's great at editing or he's sound design or color grading or cinematography or producing like is it is it a lot of all-rounders or is everyone coming in with different things yeah like brown's a good all-rounder and the people who i bring in are are generally just good all-rounders as well like they can shoot they generally it's people who can shoot for me i guess but this year again one of the priorities is to try and um get those people who are just exceptionally talented at some of those other areas and the issue with that often is just the cost like it's these people are they're expensive for for a reason like you know talented people cost quite a bit of money yeah like that draws the line between freelance and now like a production company when you start to add all of that of course yeah yeah yeah, 100 percent. and so like your your time management must be insane at the moment obviously you're kind you're probably working even harder with fearless media and projects at the moment because that's like all you've been doing the last few weeks but when you go back to college how is it that you balance being full being like I know it's commerce, you've, you don't have as many hours, but being a full-time student, running a full-time business, and then almost like the business is separate again to social media and that being a business as well, or like personal business. Um, like I really enjoy what I do. I, I probably said that 27 million times, but it's, and that means to me that stuff isn't as tiring as it would be for the people. I like, I'd spend most of my time, like I work out, do CrossFit. I love CrossFit. I love that community. Um, I love making YouTube videos. I love running my business. I love college. So like, obviously there's a lot of work involved, but like, it doesn't feel as, it doesn't feel as much of a drag. And when it comes to academics in particular, I put in the minimal amount of work to get the maximal results. So like I'm just looking to pass my exams. I'm not some A1 students. I'm not looking for a two one, um, because I don't need one. Because I'm so when it comes to academics, <clears throat> I generally sweat it out just before exams, and that's sort of what I did at Christmas. I I definitely did my assignments during the during the year, but it was two hellish weeks. But to be honest, man, everybody's fucking like that as well. So I'm like, I will never let some responsibility. Like I know I can take it on. You know, so I, d- I was like, I don't give a fuck. I remember someone com- commenting on a YouTube video. Good luck posting YouTube videos regularly in final year. Go fuck yourself. Like, that's just not an excuse. I know. You know, because if, if, if I enjoy doing it. So, um, yeah, I suppose you're like, everyone has that thing where like they're stressed for exams and they haven't done the work, but they've probably they spent the time going out, watching Netflix, like procrastinating and you spend the time running a full But the business. thing is, I procrastinate too. You know what I mean? But yeah. I would just look at people who are way more productive than me, people who've achieved way more things than me, and like all the all the cliche ones you think of, and I'd be like, surely I could do it too. Like there's, the DNA between me and your man is fucking, it's, 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 it's the same, you know? So how much of this, and these are questions I'm asking myself, how much of this am I making up in my head? Like, is there is there really a reason why I couldn't do all of this stuff at the same time? Absolutely not. Have you proven that you could do it before? You did. You passed all your exams the first year. You passed all... Wait, I failed one second year, but I repeated it, and then I got it. You did it all. What's the difference this year? Ah, there's fucking no difference. If anything, I'm in a better position because I'm older, wiser, stronger, no more shit, um, making more money, should be able to do things in a smarter way. So um, I just feel like you should always be going after stuff you want to do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like full send. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely send it. Isn't that right, Kev? Yeah. 
<laughs> Kev's in the background here editing a video that while well, Thomas does this. <laughs> and he did an amazing graphic for me. And you know what, man? Another thing as well is Kev, one of my best friends, like having a good community around you is essential. And like we brought, seven of the boys brought this couch here to couch to this office yesterday we're all completely fucking different different areas from Taller, from yeah. Clontarf Harmonstown Lusk completely different backgrounds completely different college courses we're unified that we all love making videos and we're all sticking out for each other and like I had a hard time there a couple of weeks ago something happened to me Kev was there to help me through it I think community and the boys or the girls is is so important I suppose they also always coming from the same industry they also always know like what you're up to and they know what it's like to spend hours editing or spend hours shooting and like you're united on that front as well yeah like kev right now is working on a fucking he's working on a video and it's it's 8 p.m on a thursday night yeah like exactly. who does that and like i used to i used to work in a on an internship and like nobody was working past six o'clock and if you did you were stressed out of your mind and you didn't want to do it um, but like th when there's a purpose to what you're doing and you feel like it's really important, you feel like you really care about it. Do you um, ever find you have to be quite strict and disciplined with yourself? Because I found definitely working freelance and like since I've gone into this full time that I'll work really weird times. Like because I don't have a schedule, I'll easily work for way too long and late into the night, but at the same time, I won't get up the next day because I've been up late at night and there hasn't been a weekend that I haven't worked. But uh, like, do you ever crack down and be like, okay, for my sanity, for my health, like I need to come in at nine, go home at five, or like if I come in at 12, go home at eight, but like there's nobody putting boundaries on you if you're in freelance there's nobody stopping you taking a day off so what do you use like to keep yourself on track like there's a couple things that i would keep on like the one thing that remains consistent is i work out four times a week um that was six before christmas but like that's remains consistent for me um everything else like i used to be a person that was a little bit more do stuff at certain times. Now, like essentially, like I'm not running a startup, but it sort of feels like that. And it's a bit of a shit show. So like all I, all I write every day is like, I have a list of shit to do in the morning. I just have to get it done somehow. And um, if it, like, I don't want to stay up late. I absolutely don't want to stay up late because that fucks up my sleep. But if I have to, I have to. Um, I try and get stuff done at reasonable times. I just get it done, uh, you know, as I, as I want to get it done. And, you know, sometimes that's easier said than done because creativity sometimes can be, it's, it can be hard to just like manufacture. Um, but a bit like what you're saying with yourself, I'll just get it done whenever I can. Um, and yeah, and I'm making sure as best I can, I'm not spending my time being busy for the sake of being busy. Like yeah. I've got to be executing on the stuff that is core to my business, that is core, core to the bank account and, and core to growing it and, and not being stuck in circles of things I would have done in the past. You, you know? ever find that like, I think a lot of people, particularly people producing content for online where they have to get a lot out is like that last 10% of a project, nobody will notice almost. And it's better just to be done. Do you ever find that? Like if you're, if you're editing something for hours and there's something so finicky or so niche and like you spend I don't know, whatever amount of time cutting it and then almost the same amount of time just doing this tiny color grade and like that is such an inefficient use of time and it would have just been better, like the client wouldn't even have noticed the extra bit that you put in. 
Yeah, I do get that sometimes. Sometimes I find that, like, I've done those before where I just sent it. Sometimes the client's like, oh, this is not as good as I thought. So it's a weird line to play, but generally I've just got to look back in it and be happy with it. Um, Because I know at the end of the day, they're hiring me because they like what I've done before. And what I've done before is based on my own judgment. So that's a good thing. Um, But uh, yeah, I'll put as much time as I think I need to put in to make, give them what they want. Um, But not so much that I'll absolutely crucify myself. And like, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no heroicism in doing one job a month and not being able to pay rent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you ever find working for yourself and working freelance, like when you do it because you love it and you do it because like you have so much passion, but sometimes when your job, when your hobby becomes your job, it can be quite tough, especially in the down moments. So do you, do you have you found that you need to take up something else or like a slightly different, and probably the CrossFit is that, but like you need to make time for like another hobby because if your work isn't going well and that's your fun thing, then suddenly like everything's going well and like your work is your life. Um, like CrossFit's definitely a way for me to break that up. Um, but like videos sort of is my whole life. Like it's just like freelance YouTube, they're all videos, Instagram, they're all videos. Like it's my mind is sort of wired towards making stuff. Um, and I see very little, very little like, um, separation between work and play I guess the exceptions being when I'm with my family I tend to just switch off my phone and stuff Um, and when I'd go on dates and stuff I just would knock that world out of the way like I wouldn't be thinking about work Um, (coughs) sometimes that could be easier said than done but uh, like I'm actually I'm a very good sleeper because I am quite good at like turning off when I need to Um, you know yeah yeah, I, I definitely find that sometimes it's hard to avoid work. Like, it just, it just when it's what you love, it just integrates everywhere in your life. And like, obviously people talk about like cutting down from social media in general, but even if you weren't on it all day, you're working some, like on something else and you went home and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll go on social media for enjoyment, like for a few minutes. I find that like there's DMs that are related to work, like people that I've messaged and like my profile and the stuff I share is almost work and like, is a constant like it doesn't you can't hide almost um but yeah we do because we love it i suppose um where do you think particularly for social media video is going to be in terms of vertical or landscape it's like such a huge debate for me right now especially like if i go on a holiday i'm like do i do i shoot it like a cinema do i shoot it 16 by 9 or do i shoot 9 by 16 and do something for igtv or like tiktok and I, like cropping in to be honest with the gear I have this is not an option and I, I did a video recently for a charity organization and I deliberate it was one of the first things that I entirely shot vertical for a client and it came out really well but like the footage can't be repurposed outside of stories IGTV and TikTok and yes all phones are vertical and at CES this year there was like flipping TVs that went sideways but I don't think cinema is ever going to change. I think widescreen. So like, what do you think for brands and like clients you work with who are requesting social media videos for them? What would, what's your current stat, like state on that? That's a great question. Like from my particular experience at the moment, um, a lot of them would ask for it 
to be square for Instagram or LinkedIn yeah. and I'll um I'll just, just focus on the composition being in the middle of the frame. Yeah, so I have like a monitor where it's set to have um black bars. Yeah, a square frame basically. So I'll keep the action in the center of the frame. So and that means sort of works for landscape or if it's square. Um I wouldn't off I wouldn't really shoot 4K, so like I do lose a bit of quality, but you can't really notice on a phone. No, I don't think not. So I think it's a really interesting. I think that vertical video ha- has become such a thing because of the phone and yeah. because the phone is, is used in that portrait mode and a lot of we're constrained by the, the apps that we consume by. So Instagram is that vertical scrolling feed. YouTube is the only exception, actually. Um, I know there's been a few vertical videos as well because people have shot stuff vertically on a phone and uploaded straight to YouTube and then it's gone viral. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, man. Like, I don't know, but I think definitely at the moment it's, there's a big push towards vertical and square and, um, you know, from a clientele point of view, just make sure you ask them beforehand what they want. I suppose it depends what platform they're looking at, like looking for and where it's going to be. And if it's going to be an ad like on stories or if it's going to be before a YouTube video, I think the frustrating bit for me is just that there's, they're so polar opposite and they're very non-compatible. And like I was making a recap video 2019 and I was throwing in photos and stories from like just random bits I hadn't filmed properly. And the difference when you put it in the middle of the frame, like portrait, it's just so small. It's not the same. And you can't like, say for example, with say YouTube videos, say for example, I was to say, okay, I want to turn a YouTube video into a vertical video. It's just not the same. You can't get the same sort of uh, viewing experience. Your eyes can't go across the frame the same way. So it'll be interesting. I think that landscape will 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 be here to stay in some way, shape or form. I definitely think it will, especially like, I don't think Hollywood or movies are going anywhere, but it's just interesting that how like mobile devices have like changed how we work. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Just I just was interested like what your opinion was. That's a great was question. Yeah, I love that. Um, I won't keep you much longer. I just want to ask you. I know. So you spend an internship at Microsoft. Like you've been in, you're doing commerce. You've been in a lot of sales and marketing roles and stuff. But at the end of May, you'll graduate. Are you just going to put the degree in the back pocket and keep going with video? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the plan. Um, probably going to J1, <coughs> work in a bar, uh, do that whole shebang, still make YouTube videos, and then come back here, praise be to God, in this office, and um, grow the business out for a while. Um, like, as I said before, I do stuff very much based on intuition, and... Well, as soon as I moved in here, this is where I want to be for the next four months in between doing my degree uh, and spend as much time with my friends as I can. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the goal, man. Just grow it out and see where life takes me. So Yeah, well, you've certainly got the basis formed, so I wish you the absolute best of luck. Who is your current like filmmaking inspiration? Oh, good question. Um, Maybe a few. Yeah, I I admire Daniel Schiffer on YouTube. He's a aesthetic god. There's another guy from Sweden who's brilliant. I forget his name though. Um, and then anybody else? There's uh, a trend that I kind of when people do it well, it's unbelievable. But there's a trend of this kind of cinematic b-roll and i know daniel schiffer is very good at that but what do you think of that trend of people just copying that and just doing these kind of like 
B-roll edits, but there's no story whatsoever. It's just cool uh, footage and like electronic music. Um, yeah, look, it's, it brings me back to when everybody was copying Casey Neistat, you know, yeah. it's, and I did it as well. Um, I tried to do a Daniel Schiffer style video. The bloke knows what he's doing. He's planned out those shots. He has a lot of experience. So you can't just copy something once and get it to work for you. Yeah. Um, there's always going to be trends. You know, everybody was doing the Sam Calder transitions in 2017. Yeah. At the moment, it's cinematic B-roll. And that was brought on by like Peter McKinnon and Daniel Schiffer and all these people. Um, but uh, I, I love it, man. I think it's just a, it's, it's a bit like when you're looking back on art and you had the Impressionists and you had the, um, like the Renaissance artists these are just this is current culture it's current video it's changing all the time and people are um it's just new ways of visually stimulating people so i love it i think it's uh i think it's innovation i think it's brilliant well thomas thank you so much uh thank you so much for coming and let me speak to you where can people find you uh, just Thomas Arnold most places um, yeah Thomas Arnold films on Instagram because I fucking I tried to buy the Thomas Arnold domain off some bloke but <laughs> he won't message me back so if at underscore Thomas Arnold could please take my 100 euro offer that'd be great <laughs> we'll leave it there thank you so much Thomas that has been the Camera to Me podcast thank you for listening I appreciate you all so much if you're listening on Anchor feel free to send in a voice message. I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. You can email me at guyb.ie. You can find me at guyboggin on Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. And you can subscribe to the weekly email with interesting things at commere2me.ie or guyb.ie forward slash commere2me.